podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Naku Show on ESPN. Good to have you with us, gang. Two terrific guests coming your way as we preview week nine in the NFL. Leading us off very shortly, the former England Spurs striker, Darren Bent. These days, a broadcaster, massive Philly fan. So unsurprisingly, we'll talk about the strongest division in football, the NFC East. Uh, we'll talk a bit of Packers as well off the back of their win. Uh, last night on Thursday night, uh, football look ahead. Uh, to some of the big games this weekend, including those mighty Bucks, Bucks, Saints, Brady, Breeze. Someone's got to give there. And then after Darren, I and Mike Carlson in the house to deep dive on some of the other big matchups. Bills, Seahawks, we'll talk about Dolphins, Cardinals, rattle through all the games and do our very best to pick them and get you set for week nine in the NFL. So Mike coming up shortly, but we're leading off with Darren. Darren, good to have you back on, man. How are you? Yeah, well, good, you. I bet you wouldn't be, at the start of the season, be thinking midway through this season, one of the worst Philadelphia Eagles teams you've had in recent memory is favourites for, for the NFC East. What a crazy season in that respect. Yeah, it's been absolutely crazy. I mean, what, what a bad division. That's what, that's what I always say. I mean, uh, we've known Giants and Washington have always been, they've been terrible for a while. Mm. But I always kind of prided ourselves on us and the Cowboys kind of fighting it out. And obviously, like last season, it went down to the wire where we pretty much did it with backups and managed to get the way to the playoffs. But this season, both teams have been, because I'll say us and, us and Dallas are probably the, be- are the best two teams in the division. Both of us have been absolutely terrible. Uh, so you're basically saying you don't fear the Nush to, uh, to, bring, to bring it back for the Cowboys? No, I don't. I mean, they've got so many injuries, obviously, Dak. Uh, the, oh. the, the, their defence isn't playing that well. And even if offensively as well, the wide receiver's not captured too much. I mean, I think CD's done all right. I think he's done okay. Yeah. But Amari's missing. And as I said, I think if we could put a bit of consistency, consistency together, then I think we'll walk this division, even if we're not playing that well. Well, let's start with that because I want to talk a bit of uh, Thursday Night Football, in particular the Packers, uh, as opposed to the game specifically because it was not even a fair fight with the injuries the 49ers had. But let's start with the the East End and start with the Eagles. So I want to start with the quarterback position because that going into the season was clearly one of the really interesting narratives with Jalen Hurts getting drafted. Yeah, how, How have you felt Carson Wentz has played so far? And at what point do you think they would be looking to, to make a change if, if, unless you're buying Carson Wentz, but not many people seem to be at the moment. So I don't want to load the question. Where are you on Carson? I mean, listen, I, I like Carson. Um, mm. I, I always have done. I mean, he had that obviously exceptional season where we won the Super Bowl where he got injured against the Rams. Um, but since then, he's, he kind of not really looked like himself. But to be fair, back in the last season as well, he played really well with backups, played really well, got us to the playoffs. But I think at the minute now, he's he getting put in situations where he can't really succeed. And then he's got, he's got to take some of the blame. He holds onto the ball too long, right. doesn't want to throw it away. He's, he's taking too many hits. So for me, I, I really like him. But I, I did fear when, when they, they, um, they brought in Jalen Hurts, I did think, hmm, considering a guy you've just given all that money for, excess of 100 million on a contract, why would you bring in a, a QB so high up in the draft? I, I didn't mm. quite understand it. But I mean, listen, I'm still for Carson Wentz, but my, my patience is wearing thin. <laughs> Put it that way. But J- J- I mean, Jalen Hurst, obviously I watched him in college when he was at Alabama and then he, when he, he went to um, Oklahoma. Mm. And I, I, was still, I wasn't sold then. So even when we, even when we took him, I was, it wasn't like I was like, wow, if, if Carson Wentz goes down, we've got Jalen Hurts. I was still a bit, hmm. But listen, at the end of the day, everyone deserves an opportunity. But I'd stick with Carson for now. But listen, it's, it, if we win the division, then what can we really say? But he'll know in himself that we're not playing well, the Eagles, and himself's not playing well. That's a great point, actually, that if you go on to, to win the division, and, and I think the only way you're going to make the playoffs is obviously to win the division, given, given how bad the division is. If you go on and do that, even if you go out wildcard round, that's, Wentz with injuries, and it's a great point you make that he's had to deal with a lot uh, of adversity, a lot, a lot of key pieces around not being there. Right? Uh, he's got to keep the gig. He's got to keep the starting gig. I can't see how they move away from a playoff quarterback. It's a little bit unfair mm-hmm. because you look at Miles Sanders; he's gone down. Um, and Alshon, do you know what I mean? Alshon again, he had to do it with, with, with kind of yeah. backups as well. So you're right; it's probably a little bit unfair to kind of criticise him considering what we've done. But at the same time, the only thing you could kind of label against him is that he's done it before. So it shouldn't really be an excuse to, to say, well, you've lost coming your stars. Because if you look at last season, like we were decimated towards the end, absolute. And, he, and look how well he played. Do you know what I mean? He kind of just 
did what he needed to do. So you can't really throw that at him. But at the same time, he does need to play better because the only reason we're top of the, the, the NFC East is because the rest of the teams are so bad. It's so bad. You talked about the Super Bowl run, right? What I think often gets overlooked when a team has certainly made the Super Bowl usually when they've won the Super Bowl, it gets dismantled to a degree. I mean, the Chiefs have done very well in keeping pretty much everything intact right from last year. And players get most of the headlines there, right? You see big names cashing in on the Super Bowl win and taking a deal elsewhere. But coordinators go, coaching staff goes as well. Have the Eagles ever been the same since Frank Reich left? I don't think so. Yeah, no, I don't think so. And, and you're right. You look at the Chiefs this season. I mean, I know the pandemic has obviously been terrible for, for, for everybody. But I think for, for some franchises, it's kind of been maybe a little bit of a blessing that they've managed to hold on to a lot of their players because pretty much Chiefs are coming back with exactly all the pieces that they had at the back end of the last season. Um, but for the Eagles, yeah, as you said, since he's left, we've not really been the same. Um, and I just, you know what's funny is that I was having a conversation with one of my friends and he said, oh, when he leaves, you watch, you, you, he won't be the same. And I was obviously mm. riding high off the Super Bowl. So I was yeah. like, that, silly, we'll be fired. We're fine. Yeah. <laughs> and as you said, we've, yeah. been, we've been nowhere near it again. But... As I said, Eagles, I mean, Doug Peterson, again, he's another one who's got to take a bit of the blame as well because I think at the minute mm-hmm. his play calling leaves a lot to be desired. He's taking risks when he doesn't need to. He, he tries to play on fourth down when he should just punt. And he's made so many decisions where I just think, come come on. And I, I know we've written that book, Fearless, but at the minute, come on, he's, he's, he's not coaching. We're, at the minute, we're not playing very, very well. So I think he, he needs to kind of simplify it a little bit, not try and get too clever and just try and win the football games. Well, the good news is and we're going to pick a couple of games or look at a couple of games from the, the uh, weekend slate. Uh, the Cowboys have got the Steelers, right? So, <laughs> talk about not a fair fight. I mean, that is, I mean, they scored, they haven't scored a touchdown in the last two games, Dallas. I mean, that, and obviously we know that a primary reason for that, but you make a great point about Dallas and something I want to expand upon that, of course, if you lose your starting quarterback, you're in trouble. Defense was Week going into the season and then players like Van Der Esch go out and they're even weaker. But they've got Gallup. They've got Amari. They've got Zeke Elliott's been paid. They've got heavyweight players around and none of them are performing. No, they're not. And you're right. The quarterback, I mean, listen, I don't think particularly that was playing that well before he had the injury. I mean, I know his stats looked incredible, but there were a lot of empty calories. Do you know what I mean? He was throwing when they were, <laughs> when they were down yeah. big in games. Do you know what I mean? So he was piling up all the stats. But So where are you on, Dak? So just to come in on that. So because, of course, the big point of contention for Dallas was, do we pay Dak? Do we pay the long-term deal? And yeah, Mahomes is in a league of his own, right? But a more, a more accurate parallel, realistic parallel, is someone like, Deshaun Watson, right? So, and he got a, not just the money, but the long-term deal. And that seemed to be what Dallas were prepared to give Dak that extra year. So do you think they, they couldn't foresee the injury, but were you in that camp that actually Dak is a level below a player like Watson? Yeah, I am. I mean, I've, I've said it before. I don't, listen, I, I don't know if it's because I hate the Cowboys more than the other team. But <laughs> <laughs> so I'll take that kind of out of it. Yeah. Yeah, Dak, listen, I think he's a, He's an unbelievable leader, I think, in that, in that locker room. He looks like he's the, their, their kind of go-to. But I think when you look at a lot of these stats, they are kind of like quite heavy because Dallas tend to go down quite big in a lot of their games. And then when mm-hmm. he is fighting spirit, he always comes back and throws for like 400 yards. And people go, oh, that played well. But if you actually break it down and have a look at the way he plays, especially this season, mm-hmm. he hasn't really played that well at all. When he's had to make key throws, he's overthrown it. I mean, he's been picked a couple of times. So I, I do like Dak, and I think they should have paid him because – you know, it's like once you've got, if you've got a franchise quarterback, you need to keep hold of them. And there's not yeah. that many of them about. So I think with Mahomes, you're right. He's in a league on his own. I like Deshaun Watson. I think he's superb. And I think that's in a category underneath him. But we, we don't quite know why he didn't sign the deal. Maybe he was asking for too much money. But I would have given him, tried to make him, give him a, a good deal that was, would have been, as I said, friendly, long term for himself. Yeah. But it's, it's a difficult one because I don't like the Cowboys. They have got, Offensively, they've got weapons coming out of everywhere. As you said mm. there, they've got Omari, they've got Gallup, uh, they've got a couple of good tight ends down there. Zeke Elliott. Mm. Um, Who's been totally, <laughs> totally off, uh, off the mark. And, and it's a, look, it's obviously a knock-on effect or a cumulative effect, right? That if you're struggling, you've got the third string quarterback in who is just totally blessing the out of his depth. Uh, you've got a, a defense that is just not keeping you anywhere remotely closely into games. So you've got to be chasing all the time. And that's obviously going to affect the running game quite a lot because you're going to deviate away from that. But 
it seems to be that there's so much, I mean, this must be music to your ears, right? But so much, so much dysfunction in Dallas, calling out the whole story about calling out the coaching staff and yeah. anonymous. I mean, that was, that, that doesn't happen very often in the NFL. So this is, could be a, a long-term issue for Dallas. They could be weak for a good few years by the look of it. Yeah, and I, I, I read that. I think it was last week. I read that. Apparently, the players calling out um, yeah. Mike McCarthy don't like his um, his coaching methods. Yeah, um, and I think he, he, I think in Green Bay he played a certain system that he wants to play in Dallas, and that's not working either. Um, but listen, it's it's one of them. But you, you're right; you never ever hear the players calling out the coach. But I think that Dallas did that happen in football, Darren? Like, did you ever have a situation in football? Not really? Like? No, yeah. not really, because not 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 a team publicly while the managers are still there calling out. But do you know what? Do you know who's got to take the blame for that? It's Jerry Jones because he allows the players to kind mm. of cut the the coach out and go straight to yeah. if they've got an issue. And yeah. I think that's that's been the case for. Jason Garrett, yeah, going way back. Probably the last one I can't can remember. Maybe Jimmy Johnson was the one who wouldn't allow that. Yeah, since then they've always just yep. gone. Well, you know what, Jason Garrett or whoever, Mike McCarthy, we don't really care what you've got to say. We're going straight to Jerry, and that's yep. why now in that locker room, there's like they sow dissension because they go, yep. well, there's no respect. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's a, it's a great point. Jerry Jones has built it that way. So with the Cowboys Steelers, look. Uh, 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 barring something extraordinary happen and the Steelers remain unbeaten. But how good are they, Pittsburgh, for you? Because they are the best record in the NFL. They seem pretty balanced. But are they, in your mind, the number one team in the league right now? I mean, listen, the record would suggest so. Um, but they, they, they wouldn't be my favourites um, for the Super Bowl. I mean, Ben's playing really well. Um, they've, they've got some, some nice weapons. They've got, nice, they've got a nice all-round balanced team, as you said there. Um, but no, for me, I still would have... Winning the Super Bowl ahead of them would, would be the Chiefs. I think Tampa, which mm. pains me to say, <laughs> but I think they've uh, <laughs> I think they've got a good chance as well. So I, I, I probably say any you know you can never count the Saints out. Do you know what I mean mm. they're in the same division of the box? So I think that they'll be there. But I think the Chiefs just coming back of all them weapons that they had last season, I think they're the team to beat. And, and I guess when you're looking at the, the all of those teams that connect that connect. You know, it's heavyweight coaching, right? And I mean, that could get really, really critical when definitely Tampa have that balance to uh, the Chiefs. We know what they're capable of, even if they're maybe more imbalanced, uh, more offensively driven, defense still a weakling, but then they've re upped their offense even more, obviously, by improving the ground game. Such contrasting styles of coaching in that, you know, you look at, uh, you know, look at uh, with Tampa Arians compared to Tomlin, but all heavyweights in their own right. So that yeah. is that is intriguing. You know what? The, 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 the box is surprising because we know Bruce Arians, he likes obviously with Jameis last season just to go bombs away. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But it's, it seems like Tom Brady's gone in there and kind of just said, no, no, no. If you want to win football games, and because at first I was like, well, he's going to have to do what Bruce says. But obviously mm. when you've won as many Super Bowls as he has and has been to as many Super Bowls, I guess it sometimes will pay dividend for the coach to go, well, you know what? Let me just take a little backseat here and let, obviously someone like a Tom Brady kind of see what works for him. And it just looks like at the minute, then again, they're more balanced. I mean, Jameis last season, I know through a lot of touchdowns, but also a lot of interceptions. Right. But the way at the minute, I mean, and you look at the weapons that Tampa have got, well, my goodness, it's just, how are you going to keep them all happy? And adding more as well, right? I mean, how do you feel about the, the Antonio Brown signing in, you know, particular, and look, he's by no means the only NFL player that has been in, uh, been in trouble off the field. And, they're uh, uh, you know, there is a, a, a lot of examples of precedents of, of teams that have given players ostensibly second chances, irrespective of what they've done or, or despite what they've done off the field to say, OK, well, you're rehabilitated. You deserve another chance to, to earn a living. But it's divided opinion, right? People think mm, this is not necessarily a, a comfortable fit that he's back in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's, there's no debating or, or doubting his, his, his attributes. I mean, he's absolutely sensational. But when you look at his track record about what he did when he was at the Steelers and what he did when he was at uh, the Raiders, mm. and even to an extent when he played for, for the Patriots for a bit and then he criticised um, Robert Kraft. Yeah, not, good, good, not a good move. It wasn't a good move, but for whatever <laughs> reason, Brady seems to vouch for him. Yeah, Brady, loves him. Really like him. He's living but, with Brady. He's living at his house. Yeah, so, I mean, let's Brady, Brady must understand and see. And probably if you think about it, other than what he's got in a minute, and, and you go back to, I think it was 2007 when he had uh, Randy Moss. Yeah. This is probably the best receiving core that he's ever had. Yeah. In Chris Godwin, who I really like, doesn't drop anything. Mm. Mike Evans, um, I know he's having a bit of a hamstring issue, but he's still very good. Antonio Brown, you've got Gronk. You had OJ Howard, truly weapons everywhere. And when you add Antonio Brown, like the, the only reason why I can see it working is because when I look at Mike Evans and I look at Chris Godwin, they don't look like they have mm. that much diva in them. So maybe, maybe, maybe after a while they might go, hold it, I want my catches. But at the minute, it certainly seems to me they're kind of like, okay, 
bring another one into the mix. We know Gronkowski, he's the ultimate team player. Yeah. But when you start adding all these pieces around and then you've got the brain and the mind of a Bruce Arians and Tom Brady, they're going to take, and, and with their defense as well, by the way, mm. they're, um, they're going to take some beating. And of course, Brady and the Bucks taking on the New Orleans Saints this weekend. One of the key matchups in week nine. I am expecting points of plenty. Michael Thomas should be back uh, for the Saints. Cannot wait for that one. Washington Giants, uh, another game this weekend uh, that you'll be keeping a close eye on, right? Because, well, that's a rival. Unless it's, you're probably rooting for the tie, I'm guessing. But unless, uh, uh, unless something extraordinary happens, you, uh, one of the rivals in, in the, your division is going to get uh, a game back in terms of... The, is Washington realistically are the only other team, I guess, viably that could yeah. take, take Philly on for the, for the division? I mean, the Giants yeah. aren't going to Yeah, I mean, I prefer the Giants to beat the, the, the Washington, the football, Washington football team, sorry. Um, yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's two bad teams going head-to-head, as you said there. But um, you're right. You look, at, you look at the division, one's two and five, one's one and seven. I mean... There's no other planet in any other division would Washington, who are two and five, or even 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 us at three or four, would be looking for the playoffs. But it's because our division is so terrible that Washington and every team in that division, when you think about it, still has a chance of getting to the yeah. playoffs. I mean, yeah, I don't yeah. think the Giants will. I don't think the Washington will. I don't think the Cowboys will. I think it will be us. But the fact we've only won three games and then Washington have won two, Cowboys two, Giants one, is such a bad division. How do you feel about people that say if you have a losing record, so say Philly win the two wins the division with seven and nine, you shouldn't make the playoffs? No, it's poor. That's that's, and I've heard that before because mm. because there's other teams, obviously, as you said, in, in other divisions where it's loaded. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like absolutely loaded. Um, but for me, no. If you win your division, then unfortunately, that, that's just the way it goes. Do you know what I mean, listen, we'll get to the playoffs. We'll get a home playoff game. I think. Yeah. We'll get beat anyway. But, yeah. <laughs> but, well, maybe that's the key get, is not getting the home field advantage. Like, okay, you get the playoffs, but but you, you have to play on the road. Or oh, I, I saw someone suggesting. Uh, I think it's a guy. They had a photo of a guy. I don't know where he which where he was, but presumably uh, somewhere in the states, sitting outside at a table with a sign behind him, and there was a chair at the table, so you could basically rock up and sit down. And the sign behind him said, "I think the NFC East." should send an all-division team to the playoffs convinced yeah. me otherwise. <laughs> do, you see, do you see that? Honestly, I said, as you mean, all, all the best players from all four teams go to yeah. the... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No one team gets it. It's just an NFC East team in the playoffs. You know what? It, it, I mean, it is awesome. I mean, even if you look around the divisions, I mean, there's some people, some teams with great records. Like obviously, the, the NFC North, Packers and the Bears, I mean, do you know what I mean? The Seahawks and the Cardinals and the, the West... But it's yeah. one of them things that our division is like is terrible. We understand that. But unfortunately, this has just been the way. If we get it's the rules, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's terrible, terrible record, then that's what it is. I'm it's trying to think is. who would be the quarterback of an all NFC East team, right? So would it be Carson? Would it be Danny Dimes? Would it be Kyle Allen? It wouldn't be the new. I mean, assuming Dak is unfit, so right now, right? Oh, well, listen, I'd have Carson Wentz have a, have a Dak anyway, but I think <laughs> I think Danny Dimes after is is. is his 60-yard dash when he fell over, that, that's completely oh, took him out of the... I look at the other glass half full kind of guy there. And I look at the fact he, he made that incredible run, right? I, look, I concentrate <laughs> on the positives, not the last, the last couple of seconds there. Um, just a quick one before we, before we wrap. Um, oh, who's your picket today? You want New York to win in that game. Do you think they will? In the, in the Giants? I, I, I don't think they will, no. And I mean, listen, every team in this division... And fair round football has been decimated with injury. Mm. And when you look at New York Giants and what they've lost in, in Saquon, do you know what I mean? That, yeah. that was it. The moment he went down, I went, they're finished. I mean, I didn't yeah. think they were going to do very well anyway. But when you take him out of their team, they, they were finished. I mean, listen, I hope they can beat Washington. Do I think they will? Probably not. Mm. But um, all, all the Eagles can do is concentrate on, on, on winning games. Yeah, and- it's true. It's in their hands, right? Uh, just a quick one on Thursday Night Football and the Packers more, uh, more generally. Because... Another massive game for Devontae Adams after last week where he carried the team again. And although Vada Scantling you know, had some scores in this game and, and, and did more than he did a week before, there is a lot of focus and emphasis on the Packers receiving core, as there was going into the season, the fact that they didn't take a receiver in the draft and they took, um, kind of similar to, to, this, to the Eagles, right? They took seemingly Aaron Rodgers' successor with Jordan Love when they could have taken uh, you know, any of these receivers that are hitting the ground running and looking already like they belong in the NFL. And then they didn't get the deal done for Will Fuller uh, before the deadline, right? Which looked like it was going to happen. And clearly, if they were that close to the deal, they know they need to strengthen here, right? Yeah. How much is that going to come back to haunt them? Because they're contenders, no doubt. But 
this is a win now situation with Aaron Rodgers. They've only yeah. got a few more years realistically. It could do, with yeah, him. you're right. They, they tried and to this get could cost like Will which obviously didn't happen. Um, Aaron Jones is out because he's a, obviously he's a, he's a back that can catch the ball as well and is super. Yeah. Every every fantasy fantasy year, I pick in my team like one of the one of the, the first ones. <laughs> But you're right, Devontae, I mean, he's been superb. I mean, he gets double teamed a lot. He still manages to catch everything. Yeah. As you said, Harvard Scantling, for me, he's, he's, he's quick, but he just drops everything. He's not yeah. Yeah. And drops absolutely everything. We know, obviously, Lazar's coming back. So I think that, that will be huge. I think mm. that'll be big for them, but you're right. Um, Aaron Rodgers, is always, I always felt like for Aaron Rodgers, he's always had to do so much more than other quarterbacks. Like, there's, there's times when he's had obviously good offense, but a defense has been terrible. So he's had to go and put up 30 plus points to yeah. even stand the chance. So you have to say again, that the organization's maybe done him a little bit of a disservice by take, for starters taking another quarterback, which, which I can understand to an extent because he would have to understand that as well, that they did it with him. With yeah. Brett Favre. So he, he would understand that. But I just think if, when you know that Devontae Adams, that he is a beast, by the way, but he gets, he's going to get double teams and even times triple teams. Someone else has got to step up. And you, if you'd have got Will Fuller over the line, yeah. all of a sudden now, he's, he's a, a genuine wide receiver one slash two yeah. that would have just taken a bit of the focus off of Devontae yeah. Adams. But the fact that he didn't do that, they're asking again Aaron Rodgers to work miracles with what he's yeah. got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great point. Just, just the, the attention it gets as well, Adams, will just make everyone around uh, – everyone around him more productive if they can catch the ball, which the scanning seems to be struggling with. Uh, listen, great to catch up with you, Darren. Um, so I'm guessing you, you're staying confident, you're keeping the faith. Eagles, Eagles for the playoffs, but going out in the first round, is that what we're saying? 100%. Seven and nine, <laughs> make the playoffs. <laughs> Six and ten, you'd take it. <laughs> listen, good stuff. And of course, uh, our listeners can catch you uh, across Talk Sport, right? You're, you're a very busy man over there. Yeah, on a, uh, on a Tuesday morning, early Friday afternoon today, and Sundays evenings. There you go, over on TalkSport. Good to catch up with you, man, and uh, speak to you soon. Top man, nice to talk to you. Lovely stuff from Darren. He'll be back on the show very, very soon. Looking forward to that. Let's get things moving along quickly. And welcome back to the show, the brilliant Iron Mike Carlson. Iron Mike Carlson, you are the hardest working man in show business because you have hot-footed off the plane, fresh from... <laughs> overseeing the vote count in Pennsylvania all the way back to Blighty to do our pick show. We really appreciate that. It, it is hard work, you know, mm. and, and when you're, when you're uh, taking down Tommy Tuberville on Twitter at the same time, you're watching Aaron <laughs> Rodgers and the 49ers taking down, uh, sorry, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers taking down the 49ers <laughs> JV team. Um, gosh, it's, gosh. Like, it's like, it's a real privilege at three o'clock in the morning to be teaching Tommy Tuberville, the new Senator from, from Alabama um, about, uh, about democracy so you're playing fair on on twitter as ever it, we were just chatting about this just before we started recording that uh particularly this week or especially this week that uh late night burning the candle at both ends uh thursday night football election coverage and i was saying how i was drifting in and out of sleep listening to the audio <laughs> of both and so basically having fever dreams about nick mullins and jared kushner which is probably a place i don't want to ever go again <laughs> let's get down to business Mike. we've got a lot of games to pick and you are you are red hot your picks uh, yeah last week was a tough week um mm. and, and the funny part was i managed to salvage some betting respectability but but straight up <laughs> i was seven and seven and and mm. i've been having a good year up till then um but harder, what, harder year than normal to pick do you think um in, in a lot of ways yeah it, although after after you realized what was going on in the first couple of weeks you you then had a, an idea of which teams were better than which teams, and, and it made it a little bit easier. But mm -hmm. now what's happening is you're getting injuries and COVID injuries, guys mm -hmm. who go on the, the COVID list, which is a combination of factors which affected the 49ers last night. So that made that pick easy, but you have to stay abreast of all of this, and, and um, it, it gets harder each week. And there's always one week in the middle of the season where things go completely crazy and you get – you know, a ton of results you didn't expect. Yeah, um, the level up, the leveling week. One of those. Yeah. Well, hopefully uh, things will be back to relative normality. Let's start with one of the matchups of the weekend uh, for me: the Seahawks heading to Buffalo, and let's deal with straight away the obvious, the elephant in the room for the Seahawks as far as their Super Bowl bid is concerned: their defense, right? And and in particular their their pass defense. The Bills beat the Patriots primarily by going to the ground, Mike. They, they didn't risk Josh Allen airing it out too much, but that's the strongest side of the Seattle D, or the lesser of two evils. So how do they approach this game offensively, do you think? 
Well, offensively, that's what Seattle wants to do, basically. You know, they, they want to play the, the run game and stuff you on defense, but their defense hasn't been able to do that, especially, though, in the back, in the back five or six. The Patriots should have been in a tie. That game should have been in overtime, obviously. Um, And it was almost like last year's Buffalo games. What the Patriots do is dare Josh Allen to beat them. Mm. They want to keep him in the pocket, make him throw, um, you know, and and to do that, you have to stop the run game, which, as you said, they couldn't do. Mm. And um, if you make Josh Allen try to beat you, I think we're back to the Josh Allen of last year, as opposed to the Josh Allen of the first few weeks of this season, where where it looked like he was, you know, a much more accurate passer, was 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 more calm and in, in following his reads and stuff. And and last week, um, he had no pass game, mm-hmm. literally. Uh, so, you know, I, I think Seattle can come in and if they look at that game plan, um, that new England had, I think they can probably do about what new England did with Buffalo. And, and, you know, last year they were holding Buffalo under 17 this year, they, they gave them 24 and that was too much for them to catch up with. Um, in the, can end. I drill down a bit more, Michael, on, on your thoughts on how Josh Allen has changed from the early stage of the season to now, and in particular, why it's important to keep him in the pocket. But obviously, he's a great runner, so that that's part of it. But what has changed? Why is Allen started the season so well they've and had, regressed? Yeah, they've had some injuries on the line, which doesn't help. But I think part of it is that as you know, as the season goes on, and teams realize um, that you don't want to let him from the pocket, he was doing a pretty good job of, of you know of of taking steps and resetting himself so that he would throw more accurately. And now mm-hmm. he's back to kind of throwing on the run and and it's a hit and miss proposition which is really tough when you're in when you're in third and longs or whatever and um you know i i think if you you don't even have to spy him as much as as keep as as keep your ends in their lanes and not you know not let them get beaten to the outside and then keep your inside people who who can be messing up the middle of the field at the line of scrimmage right up and and Seattle's will is very well equipped mm. to do that um you know they ought to be able to do that Jamal Adams ought to be able to um be a robber kind of player in the in the middle of the field they like to rush from the outside they've got linebackers who can cover the pass um, the pass pretty well. So it really comes down to, to having to, um, to stop the run. And, mm. and the converse is probably true of Buffalo as well. Although Russell Wilson can probably put more pressure on the bill. The bills are a very good defense at keep at containing things as well. You know, that's, that's been the case with Sean McDermott in, in Carolina and, and in Buffalo. Um, they try not to give up the big plays. So it's, in, in a sense, you know, Seattle always, even when their game plan's working, they tend to depend on, on Russell Wilson to bail them out in the fourth quarter, keep it close and give Russ the ball, you know. Mm. And um, that could prove problematic in Buffalo, especially if the weather um, helps the bills. And, you know, I haven't seen a weather, I, I haven't looked at a weather report yet, but, but, you know, if conditions are really bad, if it's windy, if, if it's cold, snowy, that could work in Buffalo's favor, make it a ground game, make, make um, Seattle beat you on the ground. And, and um, they're, I was going to say their O-line, which looked so good two years ago, at Wembley, you know, it, it, it's not in chaos like it used to be in the Tom Cable days, but mm-hmm. it, it's not as good as it was. And, and they're not able to run behind it the way that the way that they were. And they need Chris Carson at 100 percent for sure, mm-hmm. which is uh, yeah, a big question. mark. You alluded to the tight games that Seattle have played in for a lot of the season. It reminded me of a great tweet from Will Brinson in uh, at the height of the uh, uh, the election night and, and into uh, the following day. This is the world's longest Seahawks game. Was, was this true? Which I absolutely love. Um, that's that's, yeah, that's very good. Appreciate that. uh, so Mike, uh, pick this one then. Uh, the Bills uh, are three-point dogs last time I checked. Which way is this one going to go? Yeah, well, now I'm not holding, I'm not being held to to my column for this, but I'll I'll, um, I'll give you what I'm thinking right now, and, and I'm probably going with Seattle on this. Seattle for the win. All right, let's move on and talk Ravens because I want to get into uh, a lot about Baltimore with you, in particular how the Steelers shut down Lamar Jackson again because, of course, they managed to do that very successfully last season in Lamar's 
uh, Runter MVP. They did it once again last week. And of course, he was uh, pretty fast and loose with the ball. But one of the things that they, they seem to execute very effectively was just shut down the middle of the field for Lamar, right? Uh, and is that, is that the blueprint to beating it, do you think? Yeah, um, the, the advantage for Seattle is that they, uh, sorry, for Pittsburgh is they can do that with their three-man front, mm. which gives them that flexibility with the four linebackers um, who do a good job of, of run stuffing. And at, at the same time, they, um, you know, they can fill, like, like I was saying with the other game, fill the middle of the field and make, make life, make Lamar Jackson's choices more difficult. I thought he might have been able to throw the ball a bit better um, against Pittsburgh, you know, and, and have more, have more receivers, receivers open. But, um, you know, it, it's funny because Avery Williamson, who, mm you know, is now the luckiest man in the world. Um, Did you see the picture of him in his jet gear hailing a cab? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you couldn't get out of town. Was that was amazing. Yeah. I think he, t- he got in the cab and said, drive me to Pittsburgh. Yeah, take me anywhere. Um, but, um, you know, he's a great fit for them. Mm. And the funny part is that Mickey Spillane, um, who had the pick <laughs> six, which was basically the the decide, you know, the the X factor in that game. Uh, yeah. You take away the pick six, and it's the usual kind of yeah. three point game. Um, but he also had like eleven tackles in that game. Mm. Um, so that that was his best game as a pro, and and now he's got um, Williamson coming in, and it'll give them a rotation. You know, which which is really what they want because if you look, um, if you look at, at you know the way they play, they they need. They need their inside backers to be really active because at some point the outside backers are going to be rushing, mm. uh, and that's pretty much what what they did. They stuffing the middle of the field. Now, uh, Baltimore didn't have uh, Mark Ingram, but but you know Dobbins and Dobbins and Gus both ran well. You know they they had over two hundred yards together, um, but but the idea was to was to simply get them into third downs where you knew Lamar, you know, mostly was going to have to pass, but you knew it was going to be in his hands and then contain and control him. Um, and this is the book, I guess, on, yeah. on active quarterbacks. You know, they, Baltimore run Lamar, designed run plays much more than Buffalo run Josh mm. Allen. But, but the same thing, it was the way you played Cam Newton back, back when he was in, in Carolina. You want mm. to keep him, you want to keep him in the pocket. You want to make his decisions a little bit more difficult to give you time and you don't want to, you know, with guys whose instinct is when in trouble to use their feet, you don't want to give them room to use their feet, you know, and make them concentrate. And, um, you know, thinking about it, that's part of the thing maybe with Josh Allen. If you, if you take those first tentative steps to scramble and then there's no lane for you to scramble, you're out of your um, best throwing stance, and unless you've got the arm, and Allen has an arm to throw with great power without his feet being properly set. But when that happens, he tends to be inaccurate. Yes. Um, you know, not like, say, Patrick Mahomes or someone who can, who can throw on the run with great accuracy. Well, Baltimore at Indy, I want to get your take on Indy in a moment. Just one more question on the Ravens. Do you feel that everything you've just said actually maybe supports this, that what Lamar Jackson maybe needs is a receiver and it's easier said than done to find this receiver but a, a Hopkins style or, or maybe a DK Metcalf style receiver that can, can, <laughs> yeah, can there, aren't, there aren't many of those yeah, around, around. Um, that's, that's, that's but, true but, but yeah take my I, point, think, kind of safety, I think the point is guy. well taken with Hopkins um, because you know right now Boykin and um, Duvernay you know they went to Willie Sneed you noticed yeah an awful lot and but, yeah. but and Sneed is the is a guy who, who can make his living going across the field yeah um, um, and but he's not your greatest producer once once he does. Mm. Um, I don't know whether it's they don't trust Duvernay or or Boykin. Um, you know whether they're not getting open. Hollywood Hollywood Brown was complaining obviously because he only had one target mm. um, for that short touchdown. He's a burner, um, Hollywood, but he's not. You know, I'm talking about go, I, I, and as I say, easier said than done. But finding Lamar because of the the points you've just made that if he starts to err towards inaccuracy to have a receiver that can contest jump ball style in a way that other receivers can't. He yeah. needs that safety blanket. And, and, you know, one of the things that we used to talk about 
um, and in the last couple of years when there's been these great crops of young receivers coming into the league out of the draft. But we used mm. to talk about how difficult a transition it is for wide receivers from the college game, especially when you come out of spread offenses to the NFL game, because in the spread offenses, you're usually aware before you start in college of what the defense is, what you're facing. And usually you can beat it man on man, um, with not not much difficulty, but I think there's a learning curve for all these guys, even in their second year, um, when you run into complicated pro defenses that are, are showing you one thing and doing another, trying to yeah, make life right. tough for your quarterback. It can make life tough for your receivers as well. It's a great point. It's a great point. And it's something I want to talk about in terms of how um, people are getting into Jared Goff's head, because that seems to be how the Dolphins uh, <laughs> phased him last week. Uh, okay, so Colts, how legit are they, Mike? I think they're pretty good, um, and and this game will be interesting because Baltimore is missing um, two of their offensive line starters, including yeah. Stanley, the, um, through injury, and they're missing. Um, I think it's six defensive, not necessarily starters, but but rotation players, including um, Humphrey and yeah. Judon because of yeah. COVID. I mean, I don't know what Humphrey was doing. The others are all linebackers, <laughs> and and for you know for Baltimore that means. It's like Pittsburgh. Linebacker means defensive end linebacker, you know, because they, they use the edge guys to rush. Um, but Queen, you know, Queen is out. Uh, Harrison, the other rookie linebacker, is out. Um, Judon's out. Uh, Bowser's out. And um, Judon's and, suspended, presumably, as well, after getting ejected, right? And, and, and Yeah. And, right know, the official. <laughs> Humphrey tweeted, I, you know, I've got the Rona. <laughs> <laughs> which yes. when I first saw the tweet, I'm thinking, who is she? You know, um, <laughs> but um, I don't know what he was doing in the linebackers room during, <laughs> during film sessions, but obviously something went on with those linebackers. So, you know, I, I think Baltimore's defense is going to be interesting to watch. And the, the thing with Indy is if they, like many teams, if they can run the ball, it makes their quarterback's life a whole lot easier. But, mm. you know, based on last week, and, and Rivers was at his most efficient. Um, Again? Or, you know, um, which he hasn't been most of the season. Yeah, but, but the game before the bye he was. He's had two back-to-back solid starts. Yeah. He's getting stronger in a new offense. And their strength is their offensive line, which is really good. Um they got a reasonable running performance from Wilkins, but they really miss Marlon Mack because it, it does tend to make them one dimensional. Um, and he managed to find Hines, but they don't have a great set of receivers. Uh, T.Y. Hilton hasn't really been a factor um, this year. And I, I kind of thought he would. Um, T.Y.'s out as well, I think, isn't he? This, I think yeah, well, he, he caught a couple of passes in, in that game. And, I, you know, I, I get the feeling that he's, He's always going to be somewhat injured. Yeah. That's how he has been for the past couple of seasons. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. In and out, you know, never really 100%. Kind of yeah. like Mike Evans, but Mike Evans just kind of walks down the field, <laughs> turns around, they throw him the ball, he catches it. One handed. Or will, he kind of will full of V, isn't he? He's kind of that, yeah. He goes on a streak and then he's, then he's a bit of a crock. Yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't practiced all week. Ty, he'll definitely be a, a questionable for. A, yeah, for, so this one's a really a really tough one to pick because mm. you know I think their weaknesses play into Baltimore's hands, even though Baltimore is so short shorthanded on defense. Mm. Um, so the question to me is, does um, does the Indy offensive line make things easy enough for for Philip Rivers to mm. to take advantage of those missing guys? And um, I, it's a it's a really tough one to pick. You don't um, have to pick, Mike. By the way, I'm yeah, sure. I know. I, I mean, I was leaning, I was leaning, um, I was leaning toward Indy as I saw the injuries come in. But the more mm. I think about it, the more I still like Baltimore mm. coming off a loss. And you know, um, this is a game they really need to win. Mm. It's a good point. Hey, listen, if you don't want to pick, that's absolutely fine with me. Just bear in mind that I'm going to get the supercomputer on at some stage because he won't be afraid to, <laughs> to, make, <laughs> to make the picks, even if you are. Well, you know, um, that's why I like, you know, I like on the Sundays when you put, put me on the spot and I have to make the picks because then yeah. I can stop. I've stopped thinking about them. And yes. I can just give you my, my first reaction. And, and it's tended to be pretty good. <laughs> so you'll basically say you're like uh, Matthew McGonaghy in the 
McConaughey Pacino film, uh, One for the Money or Two for the Money, whatever it's called, where he's a, he's a super picker. He goes and joins Pacino's shop in New York, storms it for a while, then loses his nerve and starts to just drop pins in games and flip coins to make the picks. Yeah, thinking thinking is the is the tough part. It it, it really yeah. does <laughs> inhibit inhibit your. Um, I used to toss coins when I was writing the column, picking all the games every week. I used to toss coins, and what I would do um, was figure. What does my head say? In other words, what am I, how am I overthinking it? And what does my gut say? Mm-hmm. My, ta- my tail. So I would say, okay, my head says this, my tail says that. And then I'd flip the coin and go with whichever one. Um, <laughs> Amazing. That's the exact that's science. The scientific, yeah. It's the scientific <laughs> way of, exactly. of flipping a coin. Dr. Mike Carlson, PhD. Um, all right. Another tough game to pick then. Dolphins, cards, Tua versus Kyla. Uh, Tua didn't uh, have uh, a particularly auspicious start, although he did throw his first touchdown. Are you it, kidding? He he intercepted a pass for a touchdown. He returned no, he a fumble didn't. for. No, oh no, that wasn't him, was it? That wasn't. That was defense. I mean, I, I, he, the guy threw for ninety-three yards. He, he threw for ninety-three yards. It was and, against the Rams. He's very first. And they were pass. cutting. Yeah, they were cutting back to him every time he touched the ball. Of course, <laughs> of course, because this game is all about quarterbacks. Nothing else, Mike. But uh, it was difficult. It was a difficult entry, as we suspected the NFL up against that Rams front seven. It was made a little bit easier because further back, of course, Jalen Ramsey went out of the game. But his first pass attempt, of course, it was Brockers and Donald. Uh, hello, welcome to the league, kid. Uh, and it, he didn't do a huge amount. What I'm interested in is talking to you about the Southpaw element and how defenses have to adjust to a left-handed quarterback. It's funny because I wrote a piece about left-handed quarterbacks um, for Gridiron a couple of years ago. Mm. And Tua was a freshman at Alabama, and I was going to include him in the piece. Um, but it got cut. Um, yeah, I was, I was as usual writing too much, um, Surely not. about lefties, um, le- left-handed quarterbacks are funny. I mean, some people say that the, the spin on the ball comes off differently, which makes it harder to catch. But you know, if you're in the NFL, you're paid to catch the ball. Um, right. it's kind of like left hand, left-footed punters, you know, that's Bill mm. Belichick always liked left-footed putters, punters, because Guys don't see that spin very often. Um, but actually, it goes back really far. You know, the, the, the old adage about running to the right still applies. Um, you know, the right-hand side of your line is the run-first side. Mm-hmm. And with a, with a um, right-handed quarterback, when he moves out to hand off the ball, the ball's in his right hand. And therefore, when he turns to his right, the ball's protected. Yes, um, he's got his whole body across that. He doesn't have to move his body. It's a smooth motion. With a left-handed quarterback to hand off to the right, he's got mm-hmm. to kind of turn, turn more. Um, and if he's going to the left, it's the, more, it's the more natural motion. So the whole offense kind of has to run to the other, in the other direction. This, this really shouldn't be a big thing. Um, you know, if you're, if you're a believer in the blind side, you know, and your best tackle is on the, on the left side, then, you know, you, He's not your blindside tackle with a left-handed quarterback. But again, right. that shouldn't be a big thing. Um, and I've always thought, you know, the, the Giants used to play Michael Strahan at left defensive end, not right. Um, and I've always thought the idea of your pass rusher coming in the quarterback's face, you're not going to create the blindside turnovers as often, but you're going to actually pressure the quarterback more often because he sees it coming. And he's now thinking about the rush um, that he sees coming as opposed to you lose the fumble when, when the rush is what he doesn't see, but the rest of the time he's pretty much normal. Um, and, um, so I, I think it's kind of overrated. I don't think right. you have to actually flip your whole team just because your quarterback's um, left-handed. I think what's more important with Tua is that he's coming off of two years of rust. Yeah, and right. He's not only a rookie quarterback, he didn't play his senior year in college. And, and to an extent, this is going to apply to next year's draft quarterbacks um, who will either play a, a, um, a shortened season or in some cases um, – like like Trey Lance from North Dakota State, not you know no no season at all. So um, I think he, his learning curve is is even sharper. And I was a little surprised, you know, that they went away from Fitz, mm-hmm. given that Fitz could have done what it, whatever Tua did. So is I. I, I, um, I and we seem to be the minority, Mike. I think everybody was like, well, it's and I get the off the bye. It's the best time of the season to do that if you are going to blood a new quarterback. But I, I've, I've been um, with you one hundred percent. I don't see the rush. Are the Dolphins? At four and three now, 
serious contenders for the AFC East, or do you think it's the, it's the Bills to lose? I think it's the Bills to lose, um, although the Dolphins are a tough team, and I said this last year, you know, Flores is, is doing a great job as a coach, and the Rams game, yeah. which I, I haven't seen anybody talking about, but I was tweeting it enough for somebody to pick up on the idea on Sunday. When the Patriots beat the Rams 13-3 in the yeah, Super Bowl. in the Super Bowl. Who was the defensive co- yeah, defensive, exactly. defensive coordinator? Brian Flores. They did the same thing. They, you will be almost, delighted to hear, Mike, that me, Jason, and Osi were having this exact conversation yesterday. So, Karen, yeah. tell the tell the our listeners exactly the, where you're going with this because I'm spot on, and that's exactly what what they did to Goff last week. Yeah, what the what the Patriots tried to do was take away the middle of the field um, again. You know, and and this is true with McVeigh and McVeigh and Shanahan and, and, you know, um, lots of these coaches who, who use the whole field, try to try to spread you out and open up lanes. And you do that with what in, as a generalization is called robber coverage. You, mm. you know, they were lining up Chung on the line of scrimmage and dropping him back like back. an extra linebacker. And yeah. occasionally they were bringing the safety forward, but there was an extra guy in the middle field that got didn't know would be there when he, when he, and then you rushed, you rushed the hell out of him. Mm. Um, you know, you, you come at him from, from all kinds of angles. You, you blitz often. Um, you try to hide it and to con- may, again, to confuse him. And the idea is to confuse him and um, take away his, his reads. And then he becomes a very average quarterback. His strength is his arm. His, um, his weakness is, is um, I think slowness, Mm-hmm. And slowness to read and and not being able to stand in well under pressure. Um, and imp- you know, I guess improvisation as well, right? He can't, when something like that happens and, and he's confused from, for, at the last minute often from what he thought he was going to see, he doesn't know how to adjust. That's a, good, that's a good point because I think part of that is that he's trying to sit sit in the pocket and get that read he thinks is going to come open because the yeah. play's designed for it to come open. When it doesn't, it's almost too late for him to then start scrambling around um, and running. And, and there's a piece probably to be written at some point about you know, the stationary quarterbacks versus the mobile quarterbacks in today's um, Great point. NFL. And I think the stationary ones are kind of almost like dinosaurs on, uh, on, the, on the way out. Um, and I think you have to be better to be a stationary quarterback mm. and survive these days. You know, and in the Super Bowl. Jason McCourty doesn't make that play on Cooks, you know, in the end zone, and, mm-hmm. and it's maybe a different kind of game. But even mm-hmm. if he doesn't, they still would have held, you know, the Rams under two touchdowns or under mm-hmm. 17 or whatever. Um, so it, it was a great performance. And, and what got overlooked, sadly, <laughs> from Wade Phillips's point of view, <laughs> since he's not coaching right now, mm-hmm. is that his defense. <laughs> So plan right, was right. pretty good on New England too, and, and New England couldn't. You know, he recognized it, that uh, the Patriots didn't have all that much, and he kept it under under um, control. For it was one time. for the purest that one, uh, but we enjoyed it. All right, uh, Dolphins cards, leaning cards for this one. I'm leaning cards, absolutely. Leaning cards. All right, Titans Bears. We're going to rattle through the others because uh, we've got a lot of games to cover. Titans Bears next. Uh, the Bears offensive woes continue. Uh, lots of chatter, of course, particularly after the uh, the the Monday Night Football broadcast where. There was talk, as often happens for national broadcasts, the broadcasters get time with the players. And there's a lot of talk about what Nick Foles said, Mike, to Brian Greasy, that a play comes in and sometimes I don't think it's the right play, so I change it. And following week, you look how dysfunctional the Bears <laughs> were. How big a problem is this? Specifically, the, the coaching, the play calling, and how fractious this offense looks. Yeah, you know, defensively, they're a good team. Um, and so I think they can stay in this game. Um, and especially because Tennessee, I mean, you know, they're letting guys go. Jonathan Joseph had, a, you know, in some ways a good game last week and got cut. He's already yeah. been picked up. Vic Beasley's out, you know, was out. Um, and um, they picked up Desmond King, which means – you know, they really thought their secondary needed some changes. But but um, for the Bears, you know, when they, they were putting Mitch Trubisky in to run option plays. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, like a guy like Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill, right. Um, right. And um, 
I, I, I don't get it, really, you know. And I think Foles yeah, is smart was bizarre. Enough. He's injured now as well, Trubisky, by the way. He's out <laughs> yeah, for a few well, weeks. Maybe they wanted an out to, you know. <laughs> hey, Mitch? <laughs> they, they call it the tie rod, Mike. Yeah. That's what hey, it is. Mitch, in practice Tuesday, we're going to try you at linebacker. <laughs> you want to do some Oklahoma drills and see if you can tackle? You're the, you're um, the gutter. You're the gutter now, Mitch. Yeah, but, um, you know, I, I like Foles in the sense that he's willing to take chances. Mm. You know, and, and that's what happened in Philadelphia. You know, they, they, they had the big plays in, in the playbook and let Foles throw the ball downfield and see what happens. And, you know, I think he's not quite so good if he has to stick to that, um, to that um, controlled kind of offense that is kind of what Chicago w- wants to play. Um, you know, but you see that he's, he's most effective when he goes to his best receiver and lets him make a play. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's... that's that's true of a lot of teams now. Uh, this is a tough one because Tennessee are on a kind of Tennessee tailspin. Um, mm. and, uh, but they need, again, this is a game they need to win. Um, you know, that, that division um, right, now, right now is kind of a two-way fight. And uh, as I'm saying this in my head, there's this voice saying, and if they and Indy both lose, it stays a two-way fight. <laughs> so we are we having this head and tail thing again, Mike. Who, who are you picking? I'm um, going I, I was picking Tennessee. Yeah, um, stay with it. Stick with, the, stick with your gut. Yeah. Uh, Chiefs-Panthers, it uh, looks on like the return of uh, McCaffrey, of course. The Panthers have done okay without him, though, haven't they? Well, yeah. I mean, Carolina's been a little bit of a surprise in that Matt Rule, as a rookie coach, has – has them playing a disciplined kind of game mm. and a game where they can stay in um, in a lot of games. Um, Joe Brady's gotten a lot of uh, uh, credit for, um, for, for the offense that they've been running and, and Teddy Bridgewater's executed. Now, I'm not sure what Bridgewater's status is. Um, I think he'll play, but mm. he was banged up. I, but I think Phil Snow, the defensive coordinator, deserves a lot of credit because um, – he only has brief NFL experience, but he's come in, you know, from the college ranks at, at Baylor and, and done a pretty good job um, with that D. And I, again, I don't think they have, they don't have the, um, the manpower obviously to, um, to compete with, with Kansas city, especially on the road. Um, hey Mike, look at, as you were talking about Teddy's fitness and I was just looking that up and I had a quick scan of the depth chart because I couldn't remember the Panthers backup, PJ Walker. The yeah, the, he played a little bit at the end of the game. Um, he uh, rule coached him at Temple, mm. um, which is why why he's there. Although he, you know he had a good season or whatever you call it when the AAF folded after seven games or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, when we get to Dallas, Dallas could be starting the other good quarterbacks from, from the AAF. And, um, you know, I think, I think Dallas could be competitive in the, in the, the Alliance of American football. You know, I, I really right. think they could, uh, they could be a playoff team in that league. <laughs> harsh, harsh, but fair. The uh, that Chiefs uh, for this one? Yeah, oh yeah, obvi- obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, the oh, only question yeah. on this one is, obviously. you know, is can Carolina cover? And I, I kind of think they can. Uh, there's always an upset game, a trap game or two, so maybe it's that one. Uh, Chargers, Raiders next. I mean, these are, the Raiders in particular, very difficult to work out exactly what their level is this season. Or maybe that's the point. Maybe their level is a 8-8, eight 9-7 eight, middle of the pack crew. Yeah, I mean, they played really well defensively last week. Um, right. And um, that may, I don't, you know, you can't say Paul Gunther came from Cincinnati that he knows the division because it's different coaches and, and, and players, but they were they were really able to, to keep uh, the Browns in check. And offensively, although Josh Jacobs ran the ball well when they needed him, you know, there was that sequence where they had first and goal at the one and, and Jacobs got half a yard on first down and minus half a yard on second down and half a yard on third down. And they wound up, Gruden wound up kicking the field goal, but they won anyway. Um, I think the charges will be a little bit different for them because um, um, Herbert is a different kettle of fish than um um, than Baker Mayfield, and he's got a better set of receivers um, to throw to. He, he can throw down, he can throw deep, um, and he's starting to get, I think, into a, a rhythm with guys like Keenan Allen. Um, you know, who um, there's there. 
I think what you do with them is force them into the air, um, you know, and, 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 then, and then assume you're going to, to make things happen. Offensively, you, you know what Gruden wants to do. He, he's another one of these guys like, like Pete Carroll uh, who, who wants to run the ball. Um, Carr's been, in, as usual, has been kind of inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a moment where it looked like David Carr decided he was going to become Patrick Mahomes and, and run the ball a lot, you know, cause, cause that was there, but that doesn't, that's not the, the formula for their success. I think the problem with, with that strategy is that he doesn't have the defense that can shut, shut teams down. Right. Um, and uh, if, if home field advantage were a thing for the chargers, I would pick them easily, but, but since, I think they for any team this season, it home seems, field right? yeah. even them, it's even yeah. worse for them this season. But it seems it seems to definitely be on the on the d- diminished in impact this season for obvious reasons. Uh, Ra- I'm going Raiders. It sounds like you are leading Chargers, right? Yeah, I, I am leaning Chargers, but mm. yeah, I think I think the Raiders are a better team all around. Okay, let's talk Texans-Jags next because most notably <laughs> Jake Luton makes his NFL a start. So he's uh, the Jags' backup, of course, with with Gardner out. Um, well, <laughs> what do we know about it? What do we he know about Jake? Mike, Mike Glennon was supposedly the backup, but Doug Marone said, let's see what he can do. <laughs> okay. What do, what do that's we an do? odd way. I mean, I know they're one seven or whatever it is, but that's an odd way to approach the, um, the NFL. Um, I don't know if it is, though. I kind of agree. I mean, Glennon, he, I mean, he's gone. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You know what Glennon can and can't do. Um, Luton, what do we know about Jake Luton? Luton's like? a good sized. He's a good sized guy with a pretty strong arm. Um, he's six know, didn't foot get, six. Didn't get a whole like. lot of chance to to show it off at Oregon State, um, but um, he's he's basically a late round draft pick. You know, he he is mm. he is what he is, and he's going to have to um, he's going to have to. Uh, um, show that he can he can do all the little stuff the quarterbacks have to do which is very difficult um especially if you don't have all that talent i think he'll surprise some people Mm. with his arm uh the question is what can they do with with houston can they you know can they protect him uh can they get a run game going um and uh you know houston is a mess Really, and and it's, it's so hard now to to decide what Houston is like. You know, um, are you surprised they didn't deal Will Fuller because they could have apparently to to, to the Packers? Well, or, yeah. Uh, now I'm not to pick surprised. up some draft collateral. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I would have done it for mm. sure. Right. But your GM is Jake Easterby now, mm. uh, Jack Easterby, and um, Easterly, whatever it is, and. I, I think he was probably more concerned with the optics of it mm-hmm. than the reality. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he could have got a, a second round draft pick for him. No, no problem. And they need it. They need and they need it. They need it desperately. But they were, I think they were asking for the Packers to pick up some of his salary. They wanted a second draft pick besides that. And, and, you know, it's not, you can understand why the Packers wouldn't pull the trigger on on that. Although, <laughs> I think the first time in that game last night that Marquez Valdez Scantley yes, dropped yeah, the ball, yeah. and, and and Aaron Rodgers <laughs> went into his like cold stare so much that he had to turn around and not look at him um, for fear of like killing him or something like that. Uh, somebody put up a thing that hyphenated right wide receivers have a big problem in the NFL. Yeah, um, <laughs> they definitely but, don't sell enough jersey. It's but they like could have. Used, I mean, Fuller Fuller V would have been perfect for them. Um, would have been would have been good. You know. So, um, are we taking despite that as function the Texans, nevertheless, or do you think? I, th- I think so. Yeah, it's in um, Jacksonville that game. All right, three yeah, that, more. I mean, if if one were a betting man, that would be a game I would probably want to stay away from. Avoid, avoid oh. at all costs. All right, three more, Mike. I'm going to throw the game at you. Give us a line of the key matchups to look for. You don't have to pick them, but you can if you want. All right, that's that. I can't be fairer than that. Falcons, Broncos, the comeback kids, of course, the Broncos. Yeah, that's a really interesting one, too, because they're both teams that can be explosive, but play really badly um, at times. I, I think I think um, Atlanta at home, I, I kind of like. I think, you know, getting a win was good for them, and, and, and maybe they'll be able to settle down uh, and do that. I think the over may well be in danger in this game. Mm. I'm going to look at the percentage odds of the Falcons making the probability of the Falcons making the playoffs uh, <laughs> before this game. I want to see. It's probably around kind of 0.9%, 1.4%. I would love to see them go and run the table <laughs> and make the playoffs. That would be brilliant. Um, Vikings-Lions. 
Um, yeah, or now, Dalvin Cook Lions, maybe. Yeah, we should call Matt, this Matt, Matt, Matt Patricia's strategy ought to be to let the other team score first <laughs> so that they can't come from behind and beat, <laughs> beat Detroit. Like um, I don't know what to make of Minnesota last week um, because obviously the Packers' run defense was nowhere and, and Detroit's is going to be stronger. Right. Um, and I'm not sure about Minnesota's pass defense, um, although that played you know, relatively well against uh, a the Packers who have limited wide receiver options. So this is one where I I think the lions could surprise people. Um, You just kind of get the sense that I, I don't know how to say this politely, but that, that Matt Patricia and Matt Stafford are well, a kind of well-matched pair Mm. in that they're really good at getting things down to the wire and then not, crossing the line particularly um, harsh on Stafford I think that it is, is. Right. it is but I but I you know if you look back at his career that's happened a lot mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you could argue as you often do it's uh, far more than the quarterback is yes, everything else around absolutely you, right? uh the and COVID as well a factor here of course because Stafford uh on the COVID list which means he's had to fly to the game uh independently individually uh by himself and I wonder what impact that will have if any all right final one for you Mike saving the best absolutely for last Jets Patriots it really bothers me that the Jets are only getting seven points, and I still can't sit there and pick the Patriots <laughs> to, to put a bet on that I'm, I'm not sure enough about it. You know, I, I just have to feel they'll, they'll win the game. It, it's hard to judge what the problem is. I mean, well, it's easy to judge in one way. Their offensive line it has, you know, rookies and, and various other um, just guys playing in it. Um, they have no receivers. You know, um, they just they traded for Isaiah Ford from Miami, oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, which means they now have four Isaiahs on their team, which is Bill Belichick going biblical. Um, <laughs> and um, Ford is now also, unless Inkeel Harry comes back, but Ford right now is the only receiver on, on the team who's been drafted. <laughs> and he was drafted in the seventh round. <laughs> so that, that gives you, that gives you an idea. You know, Jacoby yeah. Myers is, is fine as a kind of fourth receiver. Maybe um, I like him a lot, but he, he, he doesn't get open. Well, um, you know, Olszewski is, is, you know, Gunnar Olszewski. Mm. Um, and um, so I, I think they've got problems in, in that. So, so their offense is really limited. The line's not overpowering enough for them to be the run team. They, they would like to be, um, you know, given, given those problems. And they ran the ball fairly well against Buffalo, um, but, but they couldn't convert. And, and the question is really Cam. Um, and uh, is it COVID? You know, is, is it post-COVID Cam, you know, just doesn't quite have enough what energy? What do you think, or, Mike? Because some people are saying it's mechanical, and those two things aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. But. Exactly. Um, and, you know, he certainly looked like, at the start of the season, he looked like he was okay mm. and would probably get better. Mm. Then he then he was out with COVID. He's come back and he's looked bad. Yeah. Um, certainly not. He's looked like somebody who thinks that he's Cam Newton, but isn't. Um, and <laughs> you know, and and losing that fumble was obviously it's it's fairly random. But you just don't see that happening. Um, mm. You know, five weeks ago, say. Uh, so, you know, I'm I'm impressed with the job Belichick has done defensively, considering how many people he's lost. Right. Um, both both to um you know the the covid to the, to the free agency losses mm-hmm. in the off season and now he's had a couple of if Lawrence guy doesn't play they're in they're in a lot of trouble mm-hmm. um defensively this is a game the jets can win um mm-hmm. i'm probably wow. picking the patriots simply because adam gaze is adam gaze and um and i Ruf, rufus isn't around so thank I, god yeah i, was, I wasn't sure actually yeah I, I thought um, it, was, it was quite but, but you know when joe douglas said it's all on me that was to me. That was kind of like uh, Ken Bates at Chelsea saying uh, <laughs> that his manager is, you know, has the full support of the board. And, and, um, you know, Say goodnight, Gracie. Is it? Yeah, ex- actually, will will we'll not be going. Interesting thing to me too. Uh, just a random fact: the mm. 49ers cut Dante Pettis this week, mm-hmm. and they need receivers. Mm. <laughs> They're another team that you know has a, has a, a dearth of receivers, and and it's it's interesting the way Shanahan last night was so able to to get those guys into positions, you know, where probably even Jimmy Garoppolo makes more plays than Nick Mullins did, um, uh, although you know Mullins was under a lot of pressure at, at, at times, mm. but you know nobody's picked him up, mm. which 
says something. I mean, you know, it's kind of like when he got cut, somebody put a sign around his neck saying, if the Niners cut me now, you don't want me. You know, right. Yeah. Um, I, I, also, I, I chatted to Dante Betts at the Super Bowl and he seems like a thoroughly nice chap. So I, I don't like hearing those stories. Yeah. Just get, get, because you're quite right. If that's inevitable, you're slightly tarred by, by that rejection. And this is how players just drift out of the league, right? You know, mid absolutely cut and yeah. then you never see him again. Yeah, you miss your chance. Um, nobody picks you up for a while, and then you go somewhere where it's not a great situation for you, and, mm. and you know, and and then your reputation is done. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's it's a very fine margin uh, mm. in the NFL, and and this year you would think with all of the players around. Um, and all the players you need, you know, and with mm-hmm. the, the expanded practice squads and stuff like that, you know, you would think more guys would be getting a better chance, but I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. If I were the Patriots, I would have claimed Kirk Merritt off the mm-hmm. Dolphins practice squad. Um, he's raw, but he's got physical skills. Um, he's big and fast and, and pretty strong going for the ball, but he played in a lower division. Um, he transferred out and finally had success there. Um, and you know, I thought coming out of the draft, he was one of the best undrafted guys, um, Mm. to pick up. So I would have grabbed him off the practice squad just as a, as a project. But again, maybe there's a reason why, why they didn't try try to sign him. Now for for more deep dives like that, Mike's column, patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson, F M T E. Uh, Yeah, this week will be good because I'll be writing about um, the Patriots and um, I'll be writing about the great Herb Adderley who died this week, the cornerback for the Packers who then went and played for the Cowboys. He won a Super Bowl with the Cowboys and famously uh, said at a Packers reunion. Uh, I'm the only person in the world with a Dallas Super Bowl ring who never wears it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Legend. Uh, well, uh, read more about uh, the great Herb on Mike's column. We'll, we'll tweet it out from uh, and push it out on our social channels as well. Crack is done, bud. And you're back uh, week Monday on the show, right? Yeah. So that means, uh, you know, I'll have to stay up late again and watch those Sunday games. <laughs> Take care, bud. See you soon. Always fun. Always insightful. I and Mike uh, back on the show very soon, as we said. Uh, and Darren will be too. Looking forward to catching up with him. Uh, maybe as the Eagles lurch towards a 5-9 and nine record and still in first place in the NFC East. We're back Monday, looking back at Week 9 and Week 9 Sunday anyway. All the key stories that you need to know will be dropping into your podcatcher of choice on Monday. So if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to us and you won't miss a trick. Just a big shout out as well uh, to the social media crew, Marley, uh, Tom, Andy, keeping things burning at the NC show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We put out video from the shows, extra content as well. So make sure you head on over there, follow us on there and get involved, right? Enjoy the weekend. We'll see you Monday. Bye for now, gang. Podcast Network.